0: Speaking of refrigerated peanut butter.
1: hello and welcome to episode 176 of relics of Ore. I am your host Greibach, and I can barely contain my laughter because our pre-show lasted for half an hour and Eric is just throwing me under the bus for getting this thing started so how are you doing this evening Eric welcome back
2: I' there we go I <laughs> I need to hold down control. <laughs> i held down shift that is not my speaking button hi everyone i'm doing really well it's wonderful to be back on consecutive podcasts yeah this
1: is the like pre-show that's not a pre-show anymore um <laughs> wow that's great uh we are also joined once again by Rabbin. how are you doing this evening Rabbin?
3: i'm doing great glad to be here yeah Wop wup utini wop woop. i think i'm supposed to say that
1: i uh yeah see this is folks this is what i have to deal with before the show starts is this kind of random garbage no it's fun and we're laughing and but we need to get going because it's already late and speaking of weird times of day we have our uh, host from across the ocean in the magical land of tomorrow how are you doing spirit
0: i'm good Ready to podcast and you know speaking
3: of times a day and you know talking about being thrown to the bus, I think I can throw Eric to mm-hmm. the bus because in the show notes he's like 8 p.m. and we're like, what time zone?
1: Yeah, he <laughs> did not respond. <laughs> until Eric. like 3 p.m. today Pacific time when I bugged him on various forms of media, and then he finally paid attention to one of them.
2: So uh, good job, good job, Eric. Thanks. You have to change the color of the text so I know I it's not something the color I wrote. Of the text. Oh, Okay, well I'm just yeah.
1: Time
3: zones are a thing.
1: Yeah, time zones are important. Anyway, this is another week without any major patch notes, so we're sort of referring back to our original Heart of Thorns post-launch schedule of things. Tentative schedule. Yeah, tentative schedule of things to talk about, which we summarily ignored after about four episodes due to various reasons. So we're probably going to be talking somewhat about... Dragon Stand, as in the map, in following along the series that we've been doing with Tangle Depths and previously Work Basin, and also probably touch a little bit on raids with regard to a teaser that we got from Points of Interest. That's what it's called, still, right? Or is it Guild Chat? Guild it's Jet. Guild Chat. It's Guild. Oh my gosh, I can't keep it straight anymore. Um, and, yeah, just whatever whatever else we end up talking about because we're... That's funny because I confuse right. it
3: sometimes with all chat, which isn't that like League of Legends company produced podcast? I Maybe, thing? yeah. I don't know.
1: Also, I mean, it's hard to
2: not say Guildcast.
3: It is hard.
1: Yeah.
2: I think that, well, Ruby was a host on Guildcast, so... See, Ruby was the original so host on Guildcast.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right.
2: She was the only original before it got taken over by Gamebreaker. Her, her and Sean Schuster.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, Sean pressed six. Wow, that was a long time ago. I was a baby. I did, okay, in embarrassing spirit stories, I did my first podcast uh, with Relics of or, and Ruby was guest hosting. Uh, and I was miserable and I didn't get any better. Uh, and we are here today. The end.
1: <laughs> you were miserable? Wait.
0: I was an awful guest host. And also I got a nosebleed in the middle of the show <laughs> and had to like duck out. People were like, "Spirit, are you okay?" And I'm like, "I'm just dying a little bit. <laughs> I'm okay."
1: This is a great story. I feel like it. I feel like it captures our mood pretty well for tonight. Which is, <laughs> you know, non sequitur. Let's we'll talk about uh, what ten-year-old spirit?
0: No. Yeah.
1: Was she even ten?
0: No, I was older, but not much. Bit. Yeah, not much. <laughs>
1: not much. Wow. Anyway. <clears throat> So do you guys want to talk about the map first or do we want to do slothosaur first because that's probably going to take less time? Let's
3: go with slothosaur.
2: Slothosaur. Speaking of which, just a I was so we were discussing various animals that you could combine with dinosaurs at one point with regards to slothosaur, and we specifically brought out a rabbit pet for a bunny thumper ranger that was like a rabbit dinosaur. I'm going through my Guild Wars just random things uh bookmarks there. Thing and I found a deviant art link that links to a rabbit dinosaur. It's just weird. So, anyways, put that in the show story. notes. I feel like yes, we should add that to the show notes because it was just really weird, and I figured that someone should know about it. And actually, everyone should. It sounds like a dream that you'd have. That and I yet, have. it is a thing.
1: I mean, it's in keeping because I have been <laughs> marathoning uh, Avatar and. And Cora, and so all these double animals very much are in in the in my conscious space, if you will. So, I mean, sure, why not? Rabbit dinosaur, that's fine.
3: It's basically a T Rex that doesn't eat meat,
1: and and bounces much. all around. Is it
2: fluffy? Yes, very fluffy. Green, <laughs> green, fluff. Okay, um, but yeah, the slothosaur is not fluffy at all. <laughs>
1: God, Spirit, I can't even pretend like you're not sending me messages right now.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry. God. What do we know about the slothosaur? Um, He is half sloth, half dinosaur.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to actually pass this to the other host because like a bad host, I didn't pay attention to that episode and then everybody started talking about a slothosaur and I never went back and watched it. So I actually literally know nothing other than the name.
2: So he's what? He's probably about 20 feet tall. He has got the head of a sloth with glowing red eyes. He has spiky teeth. And then he has the body of like a, a patasaurus, except if an Apatosaurus had hands. He's sort of
3: sloth-like body, but like, yeah, oh, it's weird. He looks so weird. I think I he's Loganticus like Anticus Lucas.
2: Yeah, he's like, you know, he's like a giant uh A uh, giant ground sloth, if the ground sloth's head was replaced by, like, a tree sloth's head. Like, the derpy tree sloth that you see on Reddit. What's the difference
1: between a ground sloth and a tree sloth?
2: So, the giant ground sloth had more of a horse-like face. It had a longer sort of nose. It was more rodent-like. Whereas a tree sloth has a much broader face.
3: I mean, assuming that... The tree sloth is much creepier. It can be cute, but they can be terrible. terrible. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. So... Okay. It's, it's a up, pretty significant difference. I'm looking at pictures. You're yeah. a
0: beautiful na- nature documentary right now, and I approve. Thank you.
2: <laughs> so, well, sloths are one of my favorite animals. I have seen them in the wild, and they are wonderful creatures. But That explains uh, this why we not...
1: can't pin you down for a time or get you to communicate
2: with us. <laughs> 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 it's why I take my time answering. Because having watched sloths extensively in the wild uh they never take back a move but they take a long time getting there
1: speaking of sloths have you have you guys seen that uh movie trailer for that animated movie like i don't even remember what it's oh, called oh the sloths all run zootopia. the uh, zootopia yeah they
3: run the the bureaucracy for the the, the dmv the or whatever the, yes the dmv
1: yeah have you seen that spirit yes it's hilarious and adorable and seemingly topical but that's not really much of a conversation point anyway did we
2: actually see anything about slothosaurus other than what it looks like and what its name is so it has one of the main mechanics that it has is that it has four or it has some number of miniature sloth grubs so imagine the grubs that we having guild wars 2 now except take those bug heads off of them and take the slothosaurus's head and stick it on the grub body with like the pinchers and stuff it looks that's mortifying it's disturbing it's horrific i mean the slothosaur is creepy looking but these things are just like i will never look at a sloth the same way
1: how did we mix three types of creatures now like we've got sloths we got a mammal a reptile and an insect now like we're we're starting to cover almost every like almost every type of
3: so it's real name creatures. is slothosaurus yes oh, i think Slothosauri- it's lupicus sloth but it's, not, I don't I don't know.
1: but it's not a like isn't lupicus in like inferring some sort of uh like canine nature
2: uh, that's a good point
3: yeah maybe I'd never thought of the giants that used to walk Terry as canine-like. The one that we fought in Or was a little bit though, had a vulpine-looking head.
1: Right. Well, because yeah, I mean that's the that's the at least in what Latin probably. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, you know who knows. Slothosaurus is a pretty funny name, at least. So I'll give him some credit there. But so anyway, so we so. So we know that. Do we know? Do we know anything else, or is that just sort of a teaser? Like I, like I said, I didn't watch
2: that episode at all. I didn't see, think we. Did we see many mechanics? I didn't see really a lot of mechanics there, aside from it was just. Being...
0: From what I've seen, it was just them standing around. I don't think they want to show off any of the mechanics, but because I, yeah, I think. I'm pretty sure it was just Ruby or whoever was controlling the character standing next to the slothosaur as it just sort of idled and it wasn't hostile or anything.
2: Yeah, and uh, then but, uh, they got shot by the uh, they got shot a few times by the little uh, uh, sloth grubs which breathe fire, and when you kill them, they explode in an area effect of poison.
0: Oh yeah, also its head launches off the body. Like they Ugh. accidentally killed it right at the end, and the little sloth head just plops off the little. Uh, Grub body,
3: which gets <laughs> worse all like, the time. Blah,
0: blah, blah, well, blah,
2: that's exactly there. what happens. I mean, look at what happens to the uh, to the grubs when you kill them. It's the exact same thing. They literally just were like, "We're going to put this." I wonder. This is my question. I wonder if some inquests are involved in this, and they're doing some horrific experimentation. Oh. Oh man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just I just sorry, sorry the, the boomerang of how we somehow. got to the inquest. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: Totally. The threw inquest me. and the white mantle have an informal
2: alliance.
3: It's always hey, the Brisbane Azura. Was a thing. The Azura are always, you know, the way to cap it.
2: Well, but how are we gonna do like weird sciencey thing? Like maybe a creepy char, but the white mantle's not gonna work with char.
0: <laughs> nope, they are not. you
1: you're, you're right. You're right. Oh my god, this episode is it is it has a strong beginning i'm not gonna lie <laughs> this is great um <laughs> wow is there really anything else to say or do we want to talk about tangled depths because or i mean uh dragon stand because judging uh, from our our tangled depths discussion this that could easily take the entire episode on its own but without but the meandering if,
3: if it is a char what if it's like some weird titan char hybrid oh my god <laughs> Guys. Wow! Because the shark could have some sloth in them, you know they're like cows and wolves and everything mixed in.
1: Everyone's got a little sloth in them.
3: Maybe we should just go to Dragon Stand, like you said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow! All right, Spirit, why don't you lead in the discussion on Dragon Stand because you've been abnormally quiet—wait, abnormally normally quiet, I suppose.
0: Uh okay, there's a motorcycle <laughs> frame. <laughs> Sorry, like the second I started talking, the whole building building started shaking, and I didn't. I think it's just a truck. And oh my god, go away! <laughs> well, we can't hear it.
3: Earthquakes. Okay.
0: Uh, I, I don't think it's harmful. It's just loud. Um. Anyway, so Dragon Stand is a the last map in Heart of Thorns. It has three lanes. It is largely group event based. I would venture that there's not much you can do there um, by yourself.
1: You can get some of the skill points and a moderate amount of the other things without being tied to the event, but otherwise yeah, you're pretty much... that's pretty true.
3: It's a great place to get uh, mastery points if you need some. Yeah, Yeah. so
0: the... The overall sort of premise of the map, sorry, I just wasn't really sure where to start with this, because it's, a, as always, a fairly large topic. Um, So the overall story of the map is, after having blasted your way out of Tangled Depths with the pact, you are now set up for a full assault on Mordremoth and his uh, sort of base of power. Um, And it
2: should be noted, this is happening simultaneously with the final mission of Heart of Thorns.
0: Yes. The final
3: story mission, yeah. Yes. yes.
0: Uh, so also warning, if you don't want this spoiled for some reason, if you've not been to Dragon Stand, you don't want to hear what goes on here. Uh, although I highly recommend hitting Dragon Stand before you finish your story. Um, it, you know, don't. Uh, you may want to tune out now because we're going to talk about what happens at the end of Dragon Stand. I don't think we'll touch on the story uh, much if at all, but if for some reason you don't want that spoiled, you have been duly warned.
1: And I would also go so far as to say that there really isn't much of anything to be spoiled other than how the map proceeds, like story-wise, you know, like, I mean, story-wise you're moving through the map, you know what I mean? Like that, (laughs) that is the spoiler basically, Um, but so if you're on the fence about it, you know, maybe that helps make your decision, but otherwise, yeah, we're, we're gonna be talking about the map and I... I think it's fairly safe to say we can just avoid talking about the final story instance which um probably happens right afterwards mm-hmm. yeah
0: um so i'm actually gonna fully finish this thought now that we warned everyone about spoilers the the story of the map is the the paps the pap oh my god the pact <laughs> progression uh in their invasion on marjoramoth and it sort of it splits you into three lanes um, and each lane has different flavors of things. There's different various minor pact allies like the ogres and the skrit um, the exalted to an extent, um, who are all marching together on it, need some assistance, and that is sort of your branching events. Um, and then each lane has escort missions where you're escorting packed supplies to the next camp, setting up a camp, uh, defending that camp, and then moving on from that hub, and each lane also has a particular antagonist. Uh, which is a different lieutenant of Mordremoth, depending on which lane you're in. So there's. Totally forgetting their names, but there's an Axe Master, a Sword Master, and a Stave Master.
1: One of yep. them is like Diermid.
0: Oh, yeah, Deer. Yeah, that's the Sword Master, I think. Yeah. yeah. And the Stave Master is A. There's some letters in there. Yeah, Stave Master A. R-Y-N or something. Something like that. And then there's a. The Axe Master starts with an H, but I don't remember what it's called. Harmit
3: um, or something?
0: Sure. And so, so all melee of these the totally master. correct names that we are not going to bother looking up on the wiki um, are attacking you over and over.
2: Swords, Axe, and Staff Stave. Steve. Yeah. yeah, Staff yeah. Stave.
0: So they each have a unique set of abilities, and they are relatively r- interesting. Uh unique from other sort of champions like the axe master has a line aoe that goes on the ground and then it splits at weird angles and that one drives me nuts because i can never see it coming and i'm never sure quite when it's going to split and it also puts you pretty much instantly in the down state if you play any squishy characters and i totally do Mm
3: -hmm. the lines on the ground is much like the uh mortem snipers correct yeah except the
0: the mortem snipers lines branched off into like lines that looked like arrows so they had lines branching off them at an angle
2: yeah uh, and they it's, have it's like the, that. yeah they're a bit rough they also have a uh, the effect looks like twilight ouch
0: yeah oh uh, yeah so it's not a really it's not a very distinct um visual you can't predict it and it hurts. I think it targets... I'm not entirely sure, but I think it targets, like, large groups of people, so if you're particularly, like, clustered in a certain way, you might not want to be there, because it'll probably hit you, Um, but I can't give that for certain. Uh, The Stave master has got... He shoots out a a giant orb of doom that shoots out little orbs of doom, and then he can collapse it, and he'll pull you in. Um, So, stability, if you're running that lane, that's north lane, and I... You know, honestly, if you asked me what I thought about these bosses, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they're all awesome, and I hate all of them. <laughs> um, and I've, got, I've got a running joke with one of my friends that um, she hasn't played much of Heart of Thorns because she's been very busy since it's come out. Um, but every time we get to play together, I'll, I'll introduce her to a new character, and we'll be like, oh, these are mushrooms. Mushrooms are the worst. And then I'll just take her into the next map. These are Chalk. Chalk are the worst. <laughs> Going to Dragon Stand. These are Mordrum. Much like everything else in Heart of Thorns, these are the worst. It's like yeah, Dark Souls. Like...
1: You're like, I hate everything about this more than anything else in this game until you get to the next thing that I hate more than anything else in
3: the game. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, but I, I enjoy them overall. They're just n- n- mean. But yeah, the orb uh... that the
3: stave master shoots out, those things, it's like a new um, CC mechanic that you've never we, I've never seen in that enemy is used, or even a player character has used, where it just spins you around annoyingly and then drops you off an edge, at least to me all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, you have to stab midway through. It seems like.
1: Which I'm gonna take this moment to predictably talk about how much I love Reaper and how it has quick yeah. access to stun break. Oh my uh, goodness! Actually, that's just Necro in general now with the stability and the. Uh,
2: yeah, Reaper.
3: But three does anyone guys, play non-Reaper Reaper Reaper that doesn't has, doesn't have unlocked?
2: I was gonna
1: say not if they no. can help
2: it. They yeah. Don't. Yeah, no. It just it makes everything so much better. Occasionally, I toy with the idea. I'm like, oh, I could have this utility if I. Uh, Go non-Reaper. And they're like, yeah, but then I'd be not a Reaper. And then i laugh at myself and go back to being a Reaper.
1: Yeah. But anyway, sorry. I I just... Anytime CC, I've just been realizing how much I love being able to, like, stun break every four seconds. If I really want to. It's pretty good. But anyway, you have these bosses. And they're legendary, not uh, champions, right? Correct. Yeah. And they... You sort of fight them multiple times, you fight I think do you fight champion versions of them uh, like during the um, along the way to the lanes and then you fight their final version at the tower or are they all legendary? I all think later. they're all they legendary.
3: Are,
0: they're all legendary. Um sort of the way and I, I guess this ventures slightly into story spoilers although it's been documented that this is what the Mordrum do. Um they're infinitely they, replaceable. Yeah, they're clones essentially. So you you fight clones and then you you get up to the the sort of penultimate part of the map where you're fighting the Blighting Towers, and those are the pods from which the clones of the Legendaries are spawning. So once you take out those Blighting Towers, there's only one copy of them left, and those are the ones that you fight during the final fight.
1: Also, I want to give you props for using penultimate correctly. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and going back to what I think it was Eric, but maybe it was Robin, said about Masteries, the pretty much all of the side events that spirit talked about with the helping out your various racial allies that happen along during the during the lane phases pretty much each one of them has a mastery point for it like you mm. can get a lot of mastery points in a couple of runs so it's a really good place if you're if you've sort of run the well dry on some of the easier ones on other maps and other avenues of play you can get a ton there very quickly um but yeah anyway so yeah you you set up these things you fight these you fight in these towers where all three of the lanes have to sort of well they they all have to to beat their tower like not exactly synchronized but you am i correct in that once you've killed the champion you still need to keep running around circles destroying the things that uh make them invincible until yes. all three until groups all three have, have
2: finished it yeah
0: if right. any of the if any lane so the the we should just talk about the strategy for it in case people don't know
1: for whatever you, yeah i was gonna say i realized um, that i just started talking about the lane like <laughs> the lane strategy I, without having actually talked about it
0: yeah at each blighting tower um you've got your uh so a group of people that have been progressing through each lane at each blighting tower there's three of them total Um, The general strategy that most maps use is they set one large group of people to run around the outside and kill these specific mobs called preservers. Preservers heal um, a gadget item called a blighting pod. I forget exactly what it is, but it's just colloquially called pods. And the large group is responsible just purely, (laughs) like almost purely, for running in circles and destroying these preservers as they spawn. It is very important that they keep up that job, because if they don't, a pod will respawn, and that makes the boss go invulnerable. And if the boss is dead, it will totally respawn the boss from scratch, and that lane has to start over. It is more complicated than it sounds running in circles, because as they're doing that, quite literally dozens and dozens of the really literally the worst quote-unquote mordrum are spawning and attacking this group, and so it's really beneficial for them to be in large numbers with healing skills and defensive skills, stability, stuff like that. And it spamming really... aoe's Sorry,
2: constantly as they go around too. Yeah, That's one thing gets... that you never see, and if you're dropping aoe's as that large group, you can kill all those mordrem off just passively every cycle. And that really makes it easier. But most of the time, all you see is people running in circles, a one drop in AoEs, and it makes it a lot easier if the entire team is just AoE city.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they go around, they disable all the pods. They have to keep going. They're running around in circles. Um, so you also designate a group of maybe 5 to 10 people. It's fairly flexible to go in and kill the actual boss. That team is responsible for keeping the boss in, in the middle, so it's out of the way of the circle team and actually killing the boss they're not they don't scale harshly so it's fairly easy to do with between five to ten people and once that is that boss is down generally that team joins the circle group and they have to keep circling around until that happens in each lane all of the towers have to be disabled and all the bosses have to be dead if any one of those bosses is still alive the event will continue progressing so
3: and do you have two hours from the start of the map to accomplish this
0: Correct. Actually, yeah, that's a popular mi- misconception. I think it's finally dying out as more people get to Dragon Stand, um, but once the Blighting Tower portion of the map is over, the timer goes off, and you have as much time as you want to kill the mouth of Mordrama. Well, as, as much time... Really awesome fight.
3: As much time if he doesn't absorb enough Leyline energy.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, he's got... Okay, so he's got his own mechanic that would prevent you from spending an eternity on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it Yeah, I I don't think it can last longer than two hours total between that mechanic and however long it takes you to do, right? I don't know. That's sort of an edge case. It's not really going to happen anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But But you can just, yeah, you can just focus on the Mouth of Mordrumoth fight, though. You don't have to worry about the timer going off during it, just actually doing the mechanics of the fight itself.
1: Yeah. Also, as you're exploring, you will uh, as you're exploring and setting up these new base camps, you will notice a couple things potentially. First is that as you set up these base camps, in fact, it unlocks the waypoints that are near them. So basically, if you're if you're in it, if you're in a map that is not being actively played in, you actually can almost not use any of the waypoints, which can be challenging uh, if you want to navigate around. You pr- it's it's kind of weird. You sort of have to play it. You sort of have to play the map to do the meta in order to do anything in the map. And the second thing that you'll notice on a related note is that there are a lot of skill points and, or hero points or whatever and vistas and things like that that you can that you'll you'll get near on your way there, but you can't or if you can it's not really intended get them until after the entire meta event is finished, which is very different from other maps, like, styles. Some maps have, you know, maybe a single thing locked behind a, a map met, meta type. Ugh, a map meta timer or completion. But this one, almost the entire map's unlockable, achievable, whatever, are are tied to finishing the meta event.
3: Yeah, so, map explanation, which makes it so you can get your uh, um, elite spec weapon.
1: Right, and also... Um, also just in general for legendaries, you know, if you, yeah. you need to complete the map or if you're looking to fill out hero points and yeah, any of those things. So you'll you'll notice them and if you can't figure out how to get to them, that's because you need to finish the map meta before, you, before they open up. Like they get powered up by lay energy and things like that after the end of the meta event. So that, you know, and however long you have until the next instance would start up basically, which is usually what, around 20 minutes, maybe 30? I
3: thought you got more time depending no on how you fast you killed um the three towers, the blooding towers.
1: Well that that's what I mean. Like the it starts the the meta event starts every two hours and so mm-hmm. like however long it takes you to finish the meta, you have two hours minus that amount left to explore around. But usually that's like like twenty to forty minutes long afterwards,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, so depending once... on your map. Once the mouth dies, there's a 15 minute window and it's a hard cap 15 minute window. Oh, okay. it, it will kick oh, you out no capped. matter what. Yeah. Oh
1: okay. I didn't know that. Or I didn't maybe I didn't realize. Yeah, that. I thought
3: you could earn yourself more time like if you had 30 minutes when you done, did the Blighting Towers, you had 30 minutes after you killed the mouth. Oh, uh, I mouth. Don't know. Oh okay.
2: No, I don't think so. It seems to be okay. pretty consistent.
1: And, and as I-, I said, there are you actually can get a moderate number of those if you do some creative jumping and create your own jumping puzzles out of the map. You can get to a fair number of those
3: during yeah, so if not you that time. Load into a empty map that has an hour left. You can get some things by being creative exploration. Yeah, yeah. But uh,
1: anyway, so that's yeah, so that's how the map progresses up until you get to the mouth of Mordremoth. and then does somebody want to talk about how that fight goes?
3: It's pretty awesome. You need uh, to have your uh updrafts for sure Layline gliding would make it much easier but I, I don't have leyline gliding yet and I can still um, function. Um, you've got this serpentine dragon thing going around and it's kind of Asian dragon-esque, which is the mouth of Mordremoth, and he's consuming these islands that are floating that are concentrated lay energy at least that's what Larent- Larentir tells us
1: right and there's so there's a whole bunch of floating islands and they're connected by lay energy which is how you can use the leyline gliding to get between them more quickly and he's so he attacks um directly some of them and you can sort of dps the head as it's chomping on the platform there's also sort of i guess you'd consider them mordrum bombs like is that is there is there a better term for that the the like ah. ones that they like blow up the platforms if you don't
2: i think that's their oh the uh there's the, this, is basically it the blossom or it's yeah the, the blossom. Oh, the blossoms, there's, a, yep.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me because there's there's an event that's the Mordrum blossoms, which blows up the platform, and there's also an event called the Mordrum Vine, which crushes the platform, and they're functionally the same thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But emotionally <laughs> very different.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so so those are some of the things that can happen. Also, those uh, legendary guys can get put on the platforms on some of the platforms and then get encircled by Mordremoth's mouth, as it were. The the whole dragon looking thing though. It's not just a mouth. It's just called the mouth of Mordremoth. And so, you know, you sort of rush over there to help out that platform and then you fight those fight those down. Um, and yeah, when you when Mordremoth starts chomping on a platform, what you want you want to hold you're breaking until he takes his third bite is that right yes, yes.
3: you not use break his break bar until he takes his third bite that's correct
1: right because every because after you break him three times in total uh he the platform gets destroyed anyway and after you break him he starts the next set of bites and so that's you want to wait basically until the last possible bite before you break him because it gives you longer to dps before he destroys the platform which is kind of backwards like when you really think of it but
3: you know it's counterintuitive for sure because people who have been learning like in verdant brink to hurry we have to break that break bar of the uh wyvern before it goes away um people you know wanted the trigger finger to go off if they've learned what break bars are at least
1: yeah i mean well and it's it's like we want him to gnaw on the platform longer so that we can damage him because it doesn't matter how many times he actually bites the platform before he destroys it like in total you know if Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think it's, it's, it's kind of weird
0: to me. I mean, it seems sort of symptomatic of one of my major critiques of the fight, which is it just simply takes too long. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure if it's random or what, but the there are a large series of events in between burn phases where you can actually do reasonable DPS to him and. So the part of why people have a stick up their butts, I mean, not you guys, but I've, some people in MapChat do, about not breaking until the third CC so you can get in the most DPS is because if you cut it a burn phase earlier, you save like 10 minutes on the fight. And Yeah, if it, it you, saves a lot of time. Yeah, there's those, those, so much dead time if you, if you end it a burn phase early. Yeah, those or chomps you are
1: don't. your major DPS phase. Yeah. Like, yeah, which is, yeah, so... I, I do think it is important. I mean, I, I think it's good to try and get everybody on the same page on that. Because, like you said, that it, it takes a lot of time away. If you, yeah you know, yeah, it just there, takes yeah, a, lot a lot time.
2: of time. of just standing on islands going, doop-do-doo, yeah, going on? Yeah, I mean, it
0: is, it is a really, yeah, it's a really spectacular fight. Like, just um visually. Yeah. And the first few times you do it, you're like, this is awesome. And then when you're farming it for Crystalline ore you're like, I hate you, Murchma. Just a little bit. <laughs>
1: So what you're saying is it's dying. working as intended.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: it's making us hate Mordremoth. Sure. But not in the good way like you want.
0: Um, Did you mention that you can waypoint with the bombs?
1: Uh, no, I didn't know that. I've never used bombs.
0: Okay. So if you pick up when Mordremoth comes down and is tromping the platform, there is also a helicopter somewhere on the platforms that crashes and spreads bombs out all over that platform. You can pick up a bomb and fly it and drop it over Mordremoth, and that's where the huge damage chunks come from. So it's it's really important to get it's those It's
2: like mobs. 50 and 60k.
0: Yeah, they're they're really big big chunks of damage and that's why you'll see um people griping in map chat about bad helicopter placement because if the if Mordremoth randomly comes up at one platform and the helicopter randomly comes up on a platform on the other end then it's really difficult to sort of get those bombs to him. Mm. But you can pick up a bomb and waypoint to it. And then you've got a much closer way of getting to his head if you're holding a bomb.
1: Gotcha. I did not. I did not know that at all. That's very interesting.
3: Those bombs burn him. And it looks like he's got napalm eating um, his, you know, body. It's kind of, kind of, kind of gruesome.
1: Hmm. That's pretty cool, though. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, though. Like the, the fight does look spectacular, and we did mention it earlier I think uh in one of our story chapters or discussions or maybe just in general when we were talking about the game but I wish that I had done this meta event before I did the end of the game story chapters because it does really tie in thematically and it's it's just it it is it is really cool It, it gives you that big epic feeling and without going into the final story chapter it just it satisfies a lot of things that i think a lot of people felt that the story was missing i feel like that's safe to say
3: Um, in comparison to the first story that we got with initial guild wars it is more satisfying and more epic in the fact that we are doing a ground military campaign individual people are individual bodies are commanding and doing what needs to be done to take out the dragon whereas in the first you know Story leg. We just, you know, did a military campaign from a sh- military ship and bang, 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 what pretty pressing, too. So, yeah, when mean, could, yeah.
1: In many ways, the Dragon Stand meta event is very reminiscent of how I imagined Or would be when it was being described before the game came out. Like this idea of these huge event chains that build the map forward as you sort of push your military campaign towards the final end boss. And Or kind of does that but because there's no reward in ore for keeping all of the things filled up or at least not much of one for a long time it just didn't you just didn't or it was just completely random there was no real incentive to keep it you know uh to, to keep it captured and in this one obviously you don't keep it captured because the map is you know a cyclical meta event but it also means that you get to have that experience of going on this sort of epic campaign push, and then having that satisfying finale. So, I think in a lot of ways, it, it definitely accomplished its goal—at least what I presume is its goal—and I I do wish that it were communicated to players a little bit more strongly that you really should do that before doing the final chapter, because the final chapter, or the 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 penultimate chapter, starts right at the front like right at the entrance to dragon stand and then basically the way that it's structured it makes you want to go into the final final chapter immediately afterwards and so you can kind of uh, get this situation where if you don't know any better or don't have anybody that's giving you this advice you just sort of do do the second to last story chapter as soon as you get into dragon stand because it is at the start physically and then you immediately end it without having even done anything in dragon stand so Yeah, I I can't recommend strongly enough that you do the meta event at least once. Even if you've done the story, I think you still should do it, just to add that to the story. But if you haven't done the story yet, or finished the story, then you really should do yourself a
2: favor and, and find a group and do it. Agreed. The one thing about the zone that still surprises me is that at some point between the beginning of the story and the end of the story, spoilers... We recruit the Nightmare Court. No meta event or story chapter deals with that fact, which I think is rather odd.
1: Yeah, that's kind of true. Are there
0: any- think, Oh, go ahead. I think we've talked about this in the past, and I'm not, sh- I'm not 100% sure on it. But there's a lot of sort of um, content that's indicative of things being cut, or just not quite all there. I mean, there's the, there's the start of the thread in the early story where you've got the Nightmare Court who have just appeared. We don't know how or why they got there. And then you've got, in Auric Basin, there's Salona, that that boss that's always shouting at you. I forget what she shouts right now, but um, she's always shouting at you from on top of the pillar, like, "Well, will get you, while you're killing all the blighting pods. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. You're not going to jump down and hurt me. You're invulnerable. I can't hurt you. Take a hike. And then there's also the countess in the final battle because on each of these platforms i don't think it was quite mentioned on each of these platforms is a npc who have you you have met throughout either the story um or the open world story and they all sort of have a significance to the story of the previous zones and they've all come together here at the end to fight and one of them is a nightmare court countess who you have not seen at all before up until this point um there's also, and I was gonna, I was gonna bring this up right after, so that was my sort of bridge into it. Um, two areas in Dragon Stand which you cannot get to at all, included in the the Explorer achievement for that zone. Um, so it's sitting in my nearly completed achievement, staring at me and making me very sad. Um, <laughs> but I believe that either the Aang can
1: sh- save the world. <laughs> Sorry. I
0: think either they were cut or they're just starting because. My my theory for those two extra areas in Dragonstand is there's some more, like, when they start up Living Story, we'll be taken to those two areas. Like, maybe they won't start us off on a totally new map for the next Living Story, but they'll start us off in a new area of Dragon Stand. like, Mordremoth has died, and there's, um you know, like, new Spoilers! areas... Spoilers! Opened... Sorry! Oh, God, sorry! I warned people before, man. Hey, uh, that's, you know... I know, I...
3: Maybe Mordremoth has died, and uh, sloth grubs have infested his corpse
0: yeah you never know but yeah like maybe new areas have opened up in dragon stand and we'll get some more some resolution to those uh loose threads and a bridge into the new wherever we're going next
3: yeah it'd be nice if living story was a type of epilogue for the hot story because it feels like there's a lot what's next missing
1: yeah and living story is at its best i think when it's sort of actively contributing to a story that we already know or i mean i guess this is sort of always true but when it's when it's really setting up for what's coming next and so you know obviously the stuff that was leading up to uh, heart of thorns was was really cool because you know we started fighting the fledgling mordrum as it were and and started getting new zones that were closer and closer to maguma leading up to it and so uh they feel they feel a little bit more solid when they're directly connected, either to upcoming major content or you know finishing off the story of existing content. At least I would imagine. So yeah, I, I could see Living Story coming back with some sort of epilogue, and then and then moving forward. Especially because we sort of oh that's never mind that's. Story. That's that's story from the story sorry that I was about to talk about, but uh <laughs> never mind. It could use an epilogue. I'll agree with you on that.
3: What sort of things do you want to see resolved in the epilogue? I mean, the big thing for me, like like Eric was saying, the why is the nightmare court there? Um other things would be like, I want to know what Timey's doing. Is she still there in um the old uh, Rata? Has she reported it to the rest of uh, you know, the Azurans? There's a lot a lot of potential with what we learned and discovered that could change a lot of things.
0: Where the yeah. butts did Malik come from?
1: Yeah, right. I still can't yeah. believe that we never found out anything about Malik. But uh I think part of that as I was sort of trying to allude to or realizing that I was deals with the actual final quarter of the story story not the map story and since we haven't had an official podcast on that i probably am gonna refrain from answering too much on questions that i want answered
3: who's
2: malik again
3: yeah let's refresh our memories because
2: i don't remember
1: have you ever made a Silvari? yes have you done the personal story where you meet a Silvari that is not
2: not of the
1: Oh, oh, oh yeah, true. that
2: guy. Oh, yeah, no, he's totally dead. We, like, killed him. He went home, he's dead. That <laughs> solves that. <laughs> what do you mean he's dead? We killed him at some point. He turned, when Morge Moth woke up, he got turned into one of the things that we killed. Oh, off-screen, so to speak. Oh, yeah, like, we, we wouldn't even recognize him, because he was a middling, uh, Sylvari. He's not even, like, a Traherne.
1: But he is named, and also, it's
2: more like, like, Does where Elast-
1: did... Hmm?
2: No last name, so he can totally get killed.
1: <laughs> no Silvari have last names.
2: Dal, and we established that any of them can die in this.
3: <laughs> Wait, no, I think I think Larenthir's last name is of the wild. I don't know that that necessarily counts as a <laughs> last name. <laughs> Shh,
0: I want to believe.
1: You want to believe that Larenthir is the only Silvari with a last name, and it's of the wild. Maybe it's he's wild.
0: embarrassed about his real name, so <laughs> he obfuscated it.
1: That's like a that's like a party, like a frat, a frat guy name, like anyway, but the point is the fact that he was there before Mortmonth woke up implies that there is some other pale tree or at least silvari producing tree. No, that no, is not I think pale. I think
3: we've established this on the show before that it would be the teal tree or the fuchsia tree.
1: Right, okay, right. So the fuchsia tree. It implies that there is one somewhere and we never saw one. Like, at all, in Heart of Thorns, and I feel- it felt like that would have been the natural place to explore well, that storyline.
3: Wasn't the Blighting Tree in Verdant Brink um, what the Pale Tree was intended to be by Mordremoth?
1: I mean, Mordremoth intended- yeah, I mean, intended for the Pale Tree to be just subservient, I guess, and creating Slave Silvari, as it were. Mordrem. But beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Did did anybody else want to talk about anything else in Dragon Stand, or is that kinda kinda rapid like it's kind of hard to even explain beyond the sort of basic mechanics just because like it is a it is a big map, but it's all telling one sort of unified story for the most part, and so there's a little bit less room to dive into Smaller stories, because yeah. the, the story is, for hey, the we're marching forward and killing Lord Moth.
3: Except for a few things, like we mentioned, the Nightmare Court being involved. It really seems like a culmination of everything that's been going on in the other maps, because we've got figures from the Pact that are, you know, championing and leading and leading everyone on to continue and do more. We see, you know, a little bit of the Exalted things like that, and it may also be of note that the lore reason why the map closes, if you uh, don't if you don't succeed is mortmoros gathering enough light energy just to blow everyone away. Yeah. But it's a good map. It's fun. Um you you should if you want to get into it, you should taxi and the my the most uh, effective way to get a good map is wait till it's almost over and I found and then you get in with someone who has a tag and they will taxi you ferry you into the the new instance.
1: Yeah. If I had to give a gripe about it it's that you have to be there the whole time like you can't you can't taxi in part way through and join in on it you have to be there from the beginning because just nobody taxis after the beginning and if you get into a map that wasn't organized from the start nothing's gonna be happening in it uh, whereas in the other maps there's always at least something to do whether or not your map is organized and yeah you, you just there's really kind of nothing to do in Dragon Stand unless you're there for the meta event, and in order to be there, you you have to be there the whole time. So that does put a crimp on some people's ability to play it, depending on the hours that you're the available time investment and, and whether or not you can put in a solid two hours or hour and a half at a specific time of day to do it, which, uh, take a shot, is a little bit frustrating, but... <laughs> But it's not it's not that big of a deal, especially yeah. if you only want to do it a couple
3: and times. To speak to that, I think you're right. There's been a time or two where I have taxied into a map that's partway through. But once people are taxiing into a map that's part way through, it's essentially failed. I don't think I've ever seen one go after that or succeed. Yeah. Rather. Yeah. But if All you right. need a little bit of ex- exploration, you can get some um, points of interest and some hero points, um, even in a map that's not active. Just a little.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. Also, Noxious Pods. If you know where they spawn, you can do Noxious Pods laps without having a map active.
2: It's also good to know that Noxious Pods give different rewards based on which lane they're in. The bottom one gives Crystalline Ore. The middle one, I believe, gives Airship Parts. And the top one gives either Lay Crystals or uh, Aurelium. Are you sure? That's what I've been experienced. It's, okay. So I believe each lane should be giving each Noxus pod, and each lane should be giving different rewards. Just My understanding is wrong. they
0: all give Crystalline Ore, and then you have a random chance of getting also Leyline Sparks, Airship Oil, or Auric um, or, Dust. But Yeah, I was going to say, I because be the wrong.
1: Crystalline Ore is only available on that map, and it seems like kind of a jerk move to Only be able to get it from a single lane. That yeah, that bit I'm sure is
0: crystalline or except all they made
2: the best v dub enchantments require or runes require a full day of running dragon stand. So, I mean, them doing jerk moves on that. eh.
1: I mean, only a full day. Like, oh, and like and I'm, and I'm 60 working on my gold. legendary and crystalline ingots are or crystalline whatever. That that whole process is kind of killing my soul right now.
2: It's understandable.
3: Now, I talking about noxious pods. If I'm not mistaken, there are unique skins to uh, the acid caches or the ones in uh, tangled depths, and also there's unique skins in the airship parts in verdant brink. Is there a unique skin set? in dragon stand that you have a possibility of getting
1: there's unique armor which is the lay armor which you get one choosy box for completing the story but otherwise uh the sets come from there and if you complete a full the full set as in all 36 pieces um you get an ascended armor choosy box so if you're looking for uh something to do that isn't just grinding gold and if you enjoy dragon stand and are looking for say an ascended chess piece because those are the most expensive that is something you can work towards if you are so inclined
3: or if you have uh 18 characters is it you need how many skins would that? yeah there'd be 18 skins if you have 18 characters finish the story with one.
1: oh right yes not not uh not 36 but 18 right? you're yeah. already Online on it six times six yeah Yeah, I am running through the story a lot of times because it is a fairly quick way of getting, like, 25 of each of the Ascended Map materials without having to do the meta events over and over again. So I am currently on my eighth character. (laughs) Eighth character.
3: Yeah, I ran it six times closer to launch in order to test out the Viper's armor set. Because you get armor as well.
1: Yeah, I also put some of those to well yeah on all of exotic, my characters i'm getting viper's armor but it's or rather getting the viper's juice box but i i did do that to get my necromancer vipers earlier
3: yeah and then those skins i was mentioning because since there's Leyline armor skins in dragon stand i think it's like ebb that you can get this cool reflective sword in tangled depths and then the light warden staff and the light warden hammer which are pretty pricey on the TP, like 600 gold, I think the light word and staff is, but it's like a staff, it's a spear, it's really cool.
1: Huh. Interesting.
3: Do we want to uh, transition to uh, a fallen, memorable hero from, I don't know about hero, but... Uh...
1: Oh! (laughs) Yeah, sure, why don't you talk about that? It took me a minute to figure out what you were talking about, because I thought you might have been talking about something else first, which we'll talk about later, if that was vague enough for everybody. If that was
3: vague enough for everybody. So, if uh, anyone remembers the uh, quotable, memorable thing by Ogden's Hammer, what savings? I think we got confirmation, is it recently we got confirmation? That he didn't make it through, or this vendor that said that, didn't make it through um, when Scarlet destroyed Lion's Arch.
1: Yeah, he was gone... When she destroyed Lion's Arch, but you weren't really necessarily certain if he had died or if he just wasn't around shouting about his savings and his hammer or Ogden's hammer rather. But uh, I, yeah, I guess it's been I guess it's been confirmed that he has in fact bit the bullet, which is uh, I don't know. I feel like people sort of grew strangely attached to him just by the fact that they heard him say it so many million times.
0: Yeah. I was honestly attached to a lot of those Lions Arch NPCs that I made fun of regularly and hated. But I would definitely press F to pay respect, is all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I don't know why, but that cracks me up. Um,
3: There's a YouTube mix of the Hammer and Savings and Ogden, if you want to check it out. I think it might be in the show notes.
0: I just put in the show notes. I highly recommend it.
3: So it'll be in the uh, the, the notes for the podcast, I think.
1: I will have to check that out and then yes it'll it should be in the show notes when we publish it so that is awesome but yeah speaking of fallen things I guess sort of that shall not be named the uh, we have re-reconfirmation from Gale today as of a couple minutes before we started recording this that Super Adventure Box is indeed coming back no time no time yet specifically but that it is Definitely coming back. It is not merely on the infinitely large table in which every possible permutation of content resides. It is (laughs) legitimately coming back. So, you know, those of us who like the Super Adventure Box can be happy.
0: Yep. There are bold and italicized words in her post that it is and will be coming back.
1: For realsies. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yay!
3: Which yeah, I'm glad I hope- because I can finally stop griping about how I bought a Eternal Continue coin and it may never be coming back.
1: Yeah, um, it's still feeling kind of a little late for that, but <laughs> but it's whatever. It's I'm glad it's coming back. I hope that it gets World Three. I would love I would love more Super Adventure Box. I know Eric was talking about it before the show.
2: Woo! World Three, maybe maybe never possibly
1: which may be
3: the end of raid wing 2 is that what we were speculating
2: yeah i figure you defeat slothosaur and then go immediately into sab that's uh yeah confirmed
3: yeah which is
2: which explains because the azura who developed sab created like in order to fund more sab production he had to create these weird mutant sloth creatures for the white mantle
3: Wow, is that how that worked?
1: Yeah, that's definitely how the head cannon fires.
0: So, like how the the cookie crumbles, except for Eric.
1: Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
3: Oh man, get oh, your so tinfoil hats out. Always
1: oh, how the foil crinkles,
2: unfurls. That's how the foil unfurls.
1: No, like you don't get furled or unfurled tinfoil, Eric. Yours is scrunched up and like it's it's past the furling stage well
0: used
2: yeah exactly well used the wending paths of my furled curled crumpled foil
3: just don't get tomato sauce on it or it'll dissolve
2: what kind of tomato sauce do you use
3: just no you know you put it like over a bowl of spaghetti or something you're like oh my gosh it melted into my bowl
0: Uh, no Oh, what? I, I don't know. I like how we so we started with uh we started with a nature documentary. We had a like a section of good vocabulary in dragon stand, and now we've progressed full on to life hacks that's... or anti life hacks.
3: Maybe I just Wait. leave things in the fridge too long. Maybe that's all there is to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Speaking of leaving things in the fridge, I have an important question. Which of you refrigerate peanut butter?
3: Wait. What? It really matters what kind of peanut butter you have because that's if you really get true. this. If you get the the Jiffy peanut butter, you don't need to. But if you get the stuff that separates, that isn't hydrogenated, if I'm not mistaken is the term, you have to refrigerate it so it doesn't separate.
1: I mean, or you can just stir it more frequently.
3: Yeah, but then all the salt gets stuck in the bottom and you have not salty peanut butter on the top and really salty peanut butter when you're getting towards the end.
0: Okay. I've never (laughs) seen refrigerated peanut butter. I'm just going to throw that out there. But when I moved to New Zealand, I found out that they don't refrigerate their eggs, and that makes me deeply uncomfortable because I am very American.
3: Wait, and they still complain about the butter, and they don't refrigerate their eggs?
0: <laughs> I think it's just Christian that complains about the butter. Oh,
1: <laughs> wait, what do they complain about butter? I miss this. Uh,
0: I leave butter out. That butter.
3: Yeah, no, no, no! You told me once. Yeah. It it's, it's not that. It's that thing you do with the butter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I, I, I also like to leave butter out so it spreads on toast or whatever I'm eating.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: you have to leave I was one told, stick out at a time.
0: Yeah, I was told that thing you do with the butter makes me uncomfortable. And to put the butter in the fridge.
1: Does do, Well, like, do you cover it?
0: Yeah, of course. Okay.
3: So if you're listening and you're not in America and you think that you don't need to leave butter out, please tell us.
1: <laughs> have you ever had, like, Adam's peanut butter spirit?
3: How That's did we end stuff. up
1: here? No, I have not.
3: We talked about it was foil and then in the refrigerator and it just went.
1: Yeah, it's you know, I guess the Super Adventure Box just brings out the, the wacky in all of us.
2: Also, I'm on the podcast.
1: Uh, that too. Yeah, it's a it's a double down. It's a
2: it's a double feature.
3: Should we just move to cast cast and get this over with?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we should. We I can. Think made Does the,
2: anyone the think that call. there will be gliding in World Three if there is in fact a World
3: Three? Oh yeah, definitely.
1: If there's Fine. a World Three, I would say yes.
0: Never considered that, but that would be actually really cool. Well, because the thing is that
1: they've they've said before that the biggest problems with Super Adventure Box are technical in the sense that the game engine has changed and a lot of Super Adventure Box stuff relied on sort of wonky application of, of game engine and game physics. And so once they sort of shored up other areas of the game, it ceased to work properly in catastrophically bad ways. So if they're fixing it in the first place, I would imagine that like gliding would be at least possible. Let's let's put it
2: that way. That's what happens when you hack spaghetti code.
0: Oh my god! And then they can give us a super adventure glider for doing the meta achievement. Uh, oh, I want
2: a super adventure be glider. The greatest, but it will only be available for three weeks to get. And it will
1: cost you one
2: thousand gold, like
0: one all of the million of your own tears. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you have to collect in a vial and send to ArenaNet with <gasps> thirteen bubble proofs bubbles. of purchase.
0: Oh no, are Bubble Bobble's Moto's tears? Oh, the tears of game development?
2: I think there I are mean, tears, aren't there? <laughs> um, I still have like
3: 163 of those on my Necromancer.
1: I have a bunch sitting in my storage for no reason.
2: Hey, the game could come back at some point. And it apparently is. it, it is. will. Sure, yeah, I mean, that's keep the whole telling yourself that game. Were
1: you not paying attention, Eric? Oh, I
2: was. I'm
1: it just was bolded saying. and
0: italicized.
1: Anyway, cast cast, do it.
0: Okay, hello and welcome to... Cast, cast the podcast within the podcast, but the cast of other podcasts and stuff, of other podcasts this week on cast, cast, I'm sorry about the peanut butter. Um, Eric has the thing that he wants to do so he can talk about it.
2: So what I'd like is I want to start collecting pictures of houses and sort of homes that people have built in the guild halls with the decorations. And I'd like to see all the creative things you guys have come up with because mine is mostly just a fenced in area of trellises or lattices. So that's a little bit less exciting. So if you guys can send me screenshots of your houses, I would like to then create a blog as we get enough pictures. I'll post them up and so maybe five pictures or so at a time. So send me pictures uh, to the relics of gmail at gmail.com. And yeah, I will try and get a blog series going, showing off your guys' awesome house creations.
0: Are you also accepting jumping puzzles and other creative decorations in the guild hall, or are you looking specifically for houses?
2: I will also accept jumping puzzles and other creative use of of guild hall decoration styles. Houses is my preferred right now, but I'll, you know what? I'll take whatever you guys send me within, you know, within like, as long as it also keep it appropriate. If you guys send me like, you know, TTP is, yeah, TTP is a thing. And I would prefer to not even have to see that, and that will not be posted on the internet. Although, if we, you know, it will be not posted in our
3: re- corner of the internet.
2: Yeah. You know what? And if you manage to sneak it by me, well, eh, please don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. Okay. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsavore.com. Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site, just by searching Relics of O-R-R. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a Whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.